You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Bracken, when's the last time we did one of these things where we get to look each other in the eyes? Two weeks. I think this is the longest you and I have gone without a face-to-face since conception. And your face is, your face is much smoother since I saw it last. What do you mean by that? Not because of your face, but your your new camera is really, really showing your true self, your true colors. Thank you, Brack. And I bought a new HD camera with a built-in microphone because I still can't get my Yeti Blue to sync up with my computer. So you get me an HD now, Brack. And I don't know if for better or worse, you can probably see, see this, the zit I got on my forehead, but you can see that thing. You know, I see that, but what it what it reinforces to me is how good looking of a man you are. Because most people <laughs> most people get worse looking the higher quality of whatever's being whatever's <laughs> filming them. But you're you're markedly improved in your looks with the with the better the better camera shining upon your face. So you don't you don't have to hide in the shadows, you shine in the light. Uh, is that it? I thought you were gonna keep going, but I can keep going if you want. No, I don't want to make the listeners feel uncomfortable. So, what have you been up to? Let's 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 fill the um let's fill the listeners in on what we've had going on, why they didn't see much from us for the last two weeks, and then a uh, little little yearly recap, Bracken. Well, priorities, Kirk. It was family time. We had both had family in town. It was holidays, Christmas, New Year's. It's an exciting time when you have kids. I don't know. I don't know if you remember being a, a child, Kirk DeWint. I can't even picture you as a child, but oh, it was good. Kids love this time of year, and so we've been just doing that that life, and it was good for us to have a little recharge our batteries around the holidays and get back to it for a strong 2022. Mm. Did you guys stay in town? Yeah, we always go out on Christmas Day to Lisa's family, but that's not far. Okay. And then having my parents next door means that we're the focal point. Since we have two families in the same on the same neighborhood block, so it's easiest for people to come here, kill okay. multiple birds with one traveling stone. Smart. Yeah, we um, you know, we've been going pretty strong with things, and it was just like, hey, we had what maybe a week and a half where we had Christmas and New Year's, and we haven't taken a real break, like just to take a break for the sake of like doing life and seeing family and made sense to take a quick breather. It doesn't mean we're going anywhere. We just uh, were enjoying t- family time. And I was traveling a bunch. I traveled like three times in there. and uh, But now we're back. We're back to the, uh, as you all are probably feeling, you know, you ate like shit. Maybe you skipped a workout or two. And now you're ready to get back to your routine. We're back to the routine, aren't we? Back to the routine. Yeah. I had a great holiday of training, Kirk. Okay. Got that rower. I've been rowing and skiing. I've been hitting sled work and lunge work. I've been running. Met up with John DeWitt for a run. I saw John DeWitt won the uh, last man standing at the Pettit Center. 
Yes, Grindfest. Grindfest, which I got an invite to. Did you really? I did. I didn't. Well, that's for obvious reasons. But I didn't go. <laughs> Mostly because I knew it was close to you, and then I'd have to make time to see you and your whole deal. Grindfest is a very interesting concept. We should talk about it. The, the Pettit National Ice Center is about a mile from my house. And it is the Olympic training center for speed skaters. And it has hockey ovals and everything. But there is a track that goes around the outside of the ice. And it is just poured rubber over concrete. So it's smooth. It's firm. <laughs> very firm. It's a harsh ride. And it's slightly longer than 400 meters. Now, Grindfest. And this is where every all the local people. So we have Marquette University. We have University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. We have Concordia, MATC, uh, Carthage, Carroll, all within 30 minutes of this place. And then dozens of high schools. Milwaukee's a big area. So this is where everyone goes when they want to get quality work in, in terrible weather. So it's just like the Mecca for anytime you show up, someone's doing a long run or a workout in there. It's kind of cool to see. But Grindfest is everyone just decided it's kind of miserable to run in there. Workouts are tough. Air's dry. It's kind of cold. So let's just embrace that. And they made this this competition and it was just made by a group of runners. And everyone starts at a prescribed pace. And I, what does it start at? Seven minute pace? No, from what I understand, it started at like six minute or five. It starts quick. It's like, I think it, it starts started quick at now. like, I believe it did. But it's it's not like seven minute pace. It's either low sixes or high fives where it starts. So let's say 620 pace it starts at, or six minute pace. And it continues for a lap or two at that pace. And then it drops down in prescribed cut down increments. Yeah. So it's not a race. It's a survival. It's like a knockout race, but you don't get to exceed the race pace. Yeah. So it'll go 620, six minutes. What six fifty or forty or six? I think it's like a six, ten, 10 second increments typically, but something like that. Every few laps, so it just keeps grinding down the pace until, generally, until there are three people left. But if the pack splinters early, it's until two, and then that continues until the pace gets super hot. And then at some point, they ring the bell, and it's two laps to the finish. Yeah, I think they got down. I believe John Dewitt. Spelled I-T-T, not I-N-D-T at the end like mine. So no relation. But John DeWitt, I think he closed. I think it got down to 440 or 450 pace for the win when they were still together. And then he must have out kicked home. But it's a cool event for sure. Yeah. And it rewards a certain type of runner. So John DeWitt ran D3. He was a 30.04 or 30.06 10K runner in college. So fast. He went to my alma mater. Yeah. He's a W Oshkosh guy. He's a guy I wanted to get into OCR because he was a uh, all-conference and I believe a state qualifier wrestler and a 30-minute 10K guy who has since gone on to run 64 minutes in a half marathon and 217.30, I want to say. You would know better. 218. I've never met him. No. So he's, he's been to the last two Olympic trials marathon competitions. He's a stud, but he also has the ability to rip off push-ups, burpees, pull-ups. I did a, a burpee and hill workout with him once, and he was <laughs> really strong. Mm-hmm. So, but but I mean, he's off chasing his Olympic trials dream, so he's he's not going to come over. 
but I also have tried to get him to to move to the trails because I could I think he could step in and instantly be a 50k to 50 mile force on the trails. For sure. He's short, he's probably 5'7", compact, just his stride just Strong never changes. Strong for his size, yeah. Yeah. No, we got got onto this. We got onto this with your training going well. And you mentioned yeah. that yeah, wrench and running with John DeWitt, yeah. Yeah. So John John is a good runner, but there are some great runners who show up. Guys who run for professional running teams and John smokes them all. He took second one year and I think he's won every single other year because he can grind like no one I've ever met and he can cut down the pace on a run with the best of them. And so like, can a lot of these guys run 440 pace? Sure. But when this race gets 15, 16 miles long and you're cutting from six minutes down to 440 pace, now it's a little bit different story and no one out kicks John at the end of a grinded out race. So he always closes down hard. I think it was his third win. I saw something popped up about it, like uh, the results, and it was it was cool to see. I always like to see, um, you know, I ran Division Three in college as well as you did, and there's a lot of, you know, chest puffing if you're a Division One or even two athlete where they're allowed mm-hmm. to give scholarships and they recruit the best athletes, and Division Three is just for people who look at running as a hobby but can't give it up, and it's very far from the truth when you talk about the top D three schools uh, in the country. And so when you see guys, like if you guys recall back to recent Olympic 800 meters, Nick Simmons, who is the U S's best 800 meter runner was a division three guy. You have people going on to some of even what, I mean, he was, he would, he medaled at the Olympics. Didn't he Nick Simmons? I thought he medaled at worlds and took fourth at the, maybe it was worlds. Anyways, he was the fastest fourth place finisher ever. I thought, or fifth. There's something along those lines, but anyways, the CD three guys and yes, sir, it's grind fest and it means absolutely nothing. But if you look at the list of people who he beat to do so, um, it's just good to see D three guys out there. Like who maybe were, you know, not taken as seriously who are doing real things. And, uh, I think D three is often underrated for people who don't really understand the sport when you go to one of the good colleges within that division. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, you're saying I had a good winter training. Yes. You were bragging about how fit you are. I decided to add an extra 30 to 60 minutes of additional non-impact cardio per day. So I've been doing that either rowing, skiing, power hiking, biking, assault bike, something anywhere from 30 to 60 extra minutes a day. And just trying to keep that engine rebuild going. And I've been feeling good weights, weights down a little bit more and holding steady without changing diet, starting to, starting to look the part. Yeah. Feeling good. Good. My weight's almost back up to uh pre slowing down the drinking. My body finally found its damn homeostasis again, back where it wanted to. So I back up? yeah, I am back up, but Something I wanted to tell people is that um, with like, you know how we preach, um, because I'm just starting my third week of running after taking a whole week break, right? I'm week three in. So basically I've run for two weeks and we've preached this, like take a week off or so. If you have it in a while, like give your body a reset. The number of people that reached out, by the way, over the last month, who's like, I haven't taken a break since 1999 or I haven't. It's like, oh my God, people, you're, you're actually harming yourself more than you know. I would just like to reiterate that I took an entire week off of exercise. I didn't do anything, no strength. I didn't even go for a damn walk. I mean, I did nothing on purpose, just life activities. And I come back and I do an uphill 15% sort of broken tempo run 
is my only quality day of my first week back, a grindy session. I hit the same damn markers I was hitting a month earlier when I wasn't training. Like I went back. Sure, I had some doms. My legs were more fatigued for subsequent days afterwards because I hadn't been on my feet. But, you know, I went out and held six miles an hour for a 15, 10, 5 workout on the treadmill at 15%, which would be a 150 treadmill test. And that was just as part of a workout. And the point being is that like nothing went anywhere. Yes, I took a little more. The hammer swung back at me harder for the next few days and I had to take some real downtime, which if I was in high training, it wouldn't have hit me as hard after the fact. But point being is like, that was right after my break, folks. So if you're still one of those who's like hesitant to take some time off because you're going to lose fitness, you're so wrong. And I would just encourage you if you're still one of those fighting it, um, to maybe think about it if you haven't for a while, because I just experienced that brack and I hit a, a, a little bit of a tempo workout last week and my numbers were barely off of what they should have been. And that's less yeah. than two weeks in. So I just want to get that PSA out there for people who are still dragging their feet thinking now's not a good time to take a break. Um, you're not going to lose anything. You really aren't. So just wanted to shout that out. That's what I learned over these last two weeks. Yeah. You know, I took 10 days after the Tennessee mile, nine days. And on Christmas day, I went and I did a a 5k tempo. I did 5k tempo run, 4k row tempo, 3k ski tempo. That was my, my long workout on Christmas Eve day. And it was, it had rained and then iced and then rained again. And I threw on the VJs and I ran the cross country course in the slop and I ran faster than I ran my initial time trial to start this whole block off. And it wasn't fast but it was a tempo and it was in the slop. Uh, I can run on the cart path if I want to, to make it faster. And I didn't run on the cart path. So it just, it's a reminder that sometimes you have to, you have to go slower to go faster, Kirk. Well, it's, it's the, and I know I pounded this into people's heads. I think this entire podcast about taking a break. Every, my answer to everything is take a break, take a damn break and get back to training. That is if you've been training hard and consistently, of course, but um, it's like the whole one step forward or one step back for two steps forward scenario. And it really is the truth. You get a month back into training after a breather and you're like, how is my fitness better than it's ever been? And I'm only four weeks back into a training cycle after a break. And it's like, well, yeah. cellularly, hormonally, you just recharge those damn batteries mentally. And now you have, you know, something to give again. And so um, it's just, I see it time and time again. And I know my theory on this, it's set in stone, but I was just reminded. It sounds like you too, same deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like taking extended time away, but sometimes you just have to. I agree. You want to, um, you want to talk about the, our year? We should. Tracking? It's been a year. When did we start this thing? This podcast, January of 2020. 2020. Yes. So we'll be hitting our two year anniversary. Coming up on our two-year anniversary. I want to say it was like the 11th or something like that. The 16th. Okay. I think. I still stand on this rock that the only reason we're still going is because Matt B. Davis said we wouldn't last a year. Well, Matt B. Davis, suck it. Suck it! We're going on two years, brother. So what do we want to talk about this past year? Should we just do a complete run-through of the year, all things our year? It started out with both of us in very different places physically and life-wise. 
Yeah. You were dealing with your injuries and your surgeries. Well, last year, about this time, I was all in on fast, intense training because Hunter had given me a little bit of tough love and said, listen, I've got several friends who are doing the same thing that you are, which is I'm not going to come back until I'm totally ready and you're never going to be totally ready. So you're never going to be back. Go out there and commit to a race and go hard after it. And you can always take time afterwards to rebuild, but go see where you are. And so I did. I did a nine week intense training block leading into Jacksonville, which we went down to together. And at this point I was feeling fit in January and uh, nine weeks of intensity turned out to be about two and a half too long, mm. two and a half weeks out. I dinged up my calf a little bit and it got progressively worse until race day. Uh, day before race, you and I met each other in the airport, exchanged a, a warm embrace, went off to the hotel and then went for a jog. And you said, dude, are you limping? Yeah, you had a hitch in your giddy up. Yeah. And I DNF'd 0.97 miles into the race. It felt like I got shot with a 22 in the calf. Partially tore my calf and was out for five weeks of not a single step of running. And that's how my year started. A lot of excitement. And then instantly right back into the injury doldrums, which just goes to show what we've tried to preach to people and what Ian came on and talked about. And Hunter himself actually came on and talked about, which is that your uh, your tendons and ligaments and, and all your little soft tissue pieces as well, they do not respond as quick as your fitness does. Nope. And I exceeded... I exceeded my limits of what I could handle training wise. Ross and I had put in a big block of training and I was doing nasty workouts and my body couldn't handle the wear and tear. Yeah, that'll happen. My, uh, I say that those lower leg, uh, issues when you start combining like, Oh, I have good fitness and now I'm going to hit intensity two or three times a week when I haven't been doing that recently can kind of in hindsight, it's always hindsight, right? Cause everything feels great until it doesn't. It's like one yeah. of those things, especially with, with that like soft tissue stuff. But yeah, my, my year started out what I was coming back, um, coming back from an injury, just had to start running in November that year and uh, the year prior, and then ended up patch jobbing some sort of fitness on about 15 to 20 miles per week and went out to Jacksonville. It took seventh, which I was happy with in the moment. In hindsight, I actually feel like I left a little bit on the table, but knock on wood, I, I don't think I've had any, uh, other than this knee thing I have going on, I hadn't had any major setbacks on the injury front this year, um, which is new for me. So mm -hmm. how do you complain about that? I don't know if you can. We were both dealing with different demons though in Jacksonville, weren't we? I was staving off physical injury. Yeah. My, my demons were just starting to uh, accrue, I would say, early year. Yeah. But we were dealing with, with different injuries. I think, you know, if you've listened to the podcast, it's been an interesting year uh, for me in the sense that I was fighting my way through uh, an alcohol addiction um, that probably really started in 2019 heavily, but uh, 2020 for sure. And um, definitely got a hold of me. And yeah, and so that was the beginning of the year here while we were still doing our things very much training, podcasting, everything. I was fighting the good fight silently, which was trying to, trying to abate my reliance on booze. And yeah, even in Jacksonville, I, uh, 
I believe, you know, had a had a drink within six hours of the race. Yeah, was able to show up and, and still somehow compete, which in hindsight is mind blowing. But you don't really realize you don't really realize how far in you are until you're out and you can take a step back and be like, whew, what on earth? If anybody saw that from the outside looking in, they'd be like, dude, there's a problem. But we'd live in denial for a little while. So I was going on with that. But physically, outside of that, for the first time in a while, you're going to hear this. I did not have any uh, anything popping up on the physical front. So from there, Kirk, I took five weeks off of running. Slowly eased back into training. I couldn't power hike. Cycling was weird. It would twinge it from time to time. So I really didn't do much. And I got to my lowest point physically that I had been in since second surgery. And that coincided with all the camping we did all summer and not living a super healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I got to the heaviest weight I had been to and the lowest run fitness. Mm. And it wasn't, it wasn't the year I anticipated. I anticipated 2020. I had two surgeries. 2021, I am back from two surgeries. I'm going to hit my one year mark of the second knee surgery by July. And I'm going to be then the second half of the year, I'm going to the Spartan regional championships. I'm going to probably do worlds. I'm going to hit some big stadiums in the second half of the year. And we got to July and I had just started running again. I picked back up running in June after my February incident. And I was up to 181 pounds, which tied my highest post-collegiate. Uh, and that was that was when I had been lifting for high rocks. This time I got up there without the help of lifting. Mm-hmm. And during high rocks, I was, I was taking creatine. So power lifting four times a week, sometimes five plus creatine versus camping and not running. And I was at the same weight. So it just really wasn't a great place. And I, I was just a very, I, I just kind of gave up, didn't I? Like, ah. I would say give up. Momentarily. I stopped thinking that I was for sure going to get back to what I wanted to do. And I kind of embraced the, the, the dad bod life. You know, though. I was unhappy with that. You got to have the, the lows or the coming to Jesus moments, I feel like, to really reach new levels of life, vigor, enthusiasm, and highs. Uh, I have a little bit more of that perspective now myself, but I think that was an important part of the phase, these looking in the mirror and saying, who are you right now? Like, I don't recognize this man. I don't recognize yeah. this guy who's making bad decisions and letting what I care about slip and not, not prioritizing the things I know that make me a better human. I think like having those moments and and if you remember, like during this phase of our podcast, it was uh, very endearingly, uh, like let's call it Bracken confessional for maybe a month, where we were talking through your demons, and I haven't been the person I want, and I'm stuck, and you were very open about that, and and I think that's humbling as somebody to to host a running podcast who's giving advice to people listening, uh, but at the same time. Like if you don't go through that, no matter if you host a podcast or running is just merely your outlet from your day-to-day life, like that is a normal part, top pros or open waivers. And I think, I don't know, 
I think everybody kind of learned a little bit through that with you, Bracken, if I'm being honest. Probably gained a lot of respect for you as well. Certainly hope so. But there's there's a time limit on on your personal struggles being endearing and them being endemic, them being depressing. And I kind of skirted the issue with that one, kind of towed the line. July 4th, I went and ran my mile, one mile road race, and ran 19 and a half seconds slower than I had uh, two years prior. 20 seconds slower in a one mile race is... Different planet. (laughs) Yeah, it's a different planet. When you're running eight minutes for a mile, 20 seconds isn't maybe quite as big of a spread. When you're running in the fours... 20 seconds might as well be yeah, a different language. And I don't know how well this will put in perspective. If 20 seconds per mile slower doesn't put it into perspective, this won't. But I ran, what did I run? 444, where at the time my 5K PR pace was 502 pace. I was like just about 15 seconds slower than my 5K P- or faster than my 5K PR pace. So the, the difference between my 5K PR and my one mile race that day was less than between my one mile pace and my one mile pace from two years prior. Right. It was just like, it was a slap in the face. I have a couple pictures from the race and I did not like the way I looked. I raced shirtless because it was July 4th in Wisconsin and it was mid nineties and humid and you're just dripping sweat. And I thought, Oh, I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way I ran. I don't like the way my body felt before, during or after. And I went and did nothing about it. I spent the next month, month and a half doing the same thing I'd done prior. And you and I had our come to Jesus moment on the same weekend, Kirk. Tell me more. You texted me Thursday, I believe. That was in August, correct? When? What? That, hey, I might oh, that was September. have to go check into the hospital. September. September. So I spent two months doing the same thing, which was nothing. Early September. And you texted me Thursday, early September, and said, hey, I might be, I might be out of commission. I might have to check into the hospital to a detox facility. And that was uh, a surprise for me. And then the next day you checked in to the hospital and I drove down to Indiana to run a 13 mile Spartan race. Mm-hmm. September 16th, maybe. Yeah. You went through your, your alcohol come to Jesus moment. And I went down thinking I'll snag a podium. I've got whatever, some staying power with some power hiking and some, some biking I've been doing. And I got absolutely exposed. And I think you to some extent got exposed that weekend as well. Sure. And we had hard conversations. Mine pales in comparison. Lisa and Macaulay sat with me at about 11 PM one night and said, what are you even doing? Mm. Macaulay asked what my goals for the next year were. I told him what I was thinking about. And Lisa said, why? (laughs) I looked at her (laughs) because she's usually like, I'll support you no matter what. And this time she said, why, why do you even like, do you actually want that? Why, why would you want that anymore? And I told her, she said, then why aren't you doing anything about it? And she and Macaulay kind of just ripped into me for like 10 minutes about how I'm not training, but I expect to get good things. And you're off having hard conversations of your own that weekend. Uh, Yeah. Much harder. That'd be almost almost an understatement. Correct. Much more difficult. Yeah. 
You know, it led me up to that point, though, and we'll, then we'll bring it back to you. Is um, And then we're going to do a little re- a little review of the podcast and thanking you guys. Don't you worry. But, um, you know, through that time from Jacksonville in February through September when, when I checked myself into detox, um, you know, thank God for fitness. I think a lot of you can still uh, relate to that. And no matter what you have going on in life, whether it's work stress or your own internal issues or mental health issues or anything like running almost straightened me out quite a few times in the sense where like, if I didn't have that one as therapy and two as something like I still had those physical goals, which sort of kept me honest with my problem for a while, I think it could have gotten much worse much sooner. But, you know, even amongst it all. You know, we talk about pushing through when things get tough and you eventually decided to do that and you're in a much different place now. But, you know, I knew I had something going on that wasn't healthy for me, but I still had carrots dangling on the physical front, which was important. And so I did keep training a lot of times just to keep me centered. Well, if I'm doing a bad thing for myself, I'm going to offset it with this good thing. And even though that's probably not how the world or body works, Um, It was my rationalization. So I was able to still train through that. I won two trail races, a 17 miler and a 25 K. I ran my first ultra in this phase, a 50 K. I won and ran a top 10 all time time. I looked back and found that out. The superior trail 50 K. Although things weren't going perfectly Bracken. So you never know if you still show up for yourself, right? You might be able to, to surprise um, yourself and maybe others. So not all was lost. There was still some focus there, I would say for me mid year. And it's like putting those feet in front of one another, even when you necessarily don't want to, even when the odds are stacked against you, even when you're feeling like shit, because guys, I felt like shit every day. You know, what it's like to wake up with a hangover. Try doing that every day for a year. Try doing that sometimes when you had a drink two hours prior to your run just so you could feel normal. I felt like fucking hell. Well, part of my language, I'm supposed to be working on that. But uh, anyways, you can do it too, point being. And I found that out. Like even if some bad things are going on in your life, um, if you put one foot in front of the other, even when things aren't perfect, you'd be surprised how that can set you up for once you get your stuff together, so to speak, right? And so I think... Point being, I'm bringing this back to you, Bracken, is yes, you were slacking in some sense, let's call it, and maybe in muddy waters, but you were still putting one foot in front of the other. You were still choosing. You chose to go to a race when you knew you weren't prepared. You still chose to give you that tough dose of medicine, even though um, I'm sure you maybe you're kidding yourself with where your fitness is at and your potential, but like, I don't know. I don't think you completely let go of things as much as you would like to think. Maybe your focus waned but there's some lessons to learn in there yeah yeah there there were a lot and and it was weird to go through it at the same time as you went into uh to detox like you're talking about delirium and tremors and i'm talking about blowing up six miles into a 13 mile race like it kind of puts things into perspective that yeah it's all relative but it's also not to some extent like it is but it isn't you probably felt delirium some point in that race. Yeah, but my uh, simply stopping would make me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> True. So yours, 
I mean, a lot of people got a lot out of your your episode. We got hundreds of messages. Everyone I talk to for the next forever always asks about it, always talks about it. That's just that's become for better or worse, like a big theme of of your life this year. But yeah. like I was personally impacted by it. I was sitting there feeling sorry for myself and realizing in the 10 days after checking into detox, you ran more than I did. And I was back to healthy. I just didn't care. I was unmotivated. You had gone mm-hmm. through what, 72 hours where you didn't necessarily want to be living. You felt so miserable. And after that, you got back to training every day. And I was trying to find a reason to get out the door. And it just kind of like. I uh, I got home from detox at 7.30 at night, 6.30 at night. My running shoes were on three minutes from locking in the door. Yeah. But that was therapy. You, your point of sharing was to be honest and to be forthcoming and to hopefully, which I would say was accomplished, be a light to anyone who's also going through it. But it also gave the rest of us a bit of perspective, like maybe it's just time to sack up. Yeah. So that was a, between Macaulay, Lisa, and you, like you three were instrumental in in me having to be fully introspective and just saying, yeah, you've admitted you've been bad about this. You've been, you've admitted to the podcast that you've been inconsistent or not wanting it, but have you truly admitted to yourself that you're lying? Mm -hmm. Like, do you want it or do you like the idea of wanting it? And that's when, you know, you committed to going without alcohol and I committed to going without skipping workouts. Mm -hmm. And I did. So I went, what, nine, 10 straight weeks without skipping a workout leading into Tennessee mile, which I signed up for to keep me accountable because we're not to be trusted. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're on the other side. Day two, day four of it, I ran, Macaulay was still in town and we ran that 5k hard tempo slash time trial together. And I dropped out two miles in at 1720 pace. Well, we don't, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. It's so but to just, put that in perspective, my junior year of high school, I ran a 1724 on that cross country course in the first meet of the year. And my senior year, I ran, I think, 1705, my first year, race of the year on that course. And at 34, I dropped off and walked for 100 meters and then rejoined at 1720 pace. So 17 year old me would have handed it to me that day. And it was just, again, like a very clear line in the sand that says you are not as far along as you would like to believe you are. The work you've done over the previous two decades isn't showing through right now. And it's why you have to surround yourself with people who are willing to tell you what needs to be told rather than what you'd like to hear. But you know what, though, with that, and sure, we're feeling a little reflective at the end of the year, but that's what the end of the year is for, right? Yeah. And I think, um, and I think all of you hopefully are doing that in some regard, whether it's with your life or with your fitness, setting realistic goals, learning from your past flaws, all of that. But I think the biggest thing, like, yes, it's tough when you're going through doldrums or life hiccups or whatever it is. But really, like the key word to it all, and the, and one of the main reasons that set you up to be better is the word vulnerability. It's it's being honest with yourself and others, talking about your imperfections, 
coming to terms and realization with the things you could do better and then opening up about them, right? Whether it's just with yourself or it's with your loved ones or it's with your coach or whomever or strangers in public who listen to your podcast, but vulnerability and having like those conversations, opening up about your fears or whatever it is, um, ultimately sets you up to go through, through some tough conversations and some tough times. But in the end, what does it end up leading to eventually, right? Is you, you get over the hump and you move yourself forward in life, right? And so I think like it's easy to say, oh, these coming to thank, thankfully for these coming to Jesus conversations. And I learned a little bit from you, Kirk, going through this and it put my own situation into perspective. But you were just as open about what you were going through, very different than my situation, mm-hmm. but open about it. And that sets you up to then start solu- solutions to these issues, right? And so, like, I just think there's, like, a lot of, like, that's the biggest lesson to learn for me this year. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at in a way yeah. is, like, admitting where you could do better. Stop lying to yourself. Open up to people about it. And that's going to start provoking change, right? That's what I'm kind of hearing. Yeah. And I think, like, if we wanted to put a bow on it. The story's not done, so we're not putting like a the end on it. But to put a bow on all of there this, will never be a full bow on on this for real, right? It's going to be a work in progress continually. Yeah. But the bow on the message is that we both had to come to terms with the fact that we did this. Like you could blame your health issues, your medical issues, your immune travesty that's occurred in your life. I could blame my knee surgeries, my calf tear all of this for why my motivation dropped or my fitness dropped. But at the end of the day, no one did it to us. We did it to ourselves. Even if the inciting factor was something else, black mold, torn meniscus, seize, whatever it is, everything that happened after that fact was our choice. I looked at John Albin and he had foot surgery and he won OCC this year and he won skyrunning races what was the difference is he did everything he could to avoid being back in that place. And I did everything I could to stay in that place. Like we did the, mm-hmm. once we finally admitted we are actively doing this to ourselves and it's not an outside influence. That's when, that's when we could actively address it. And I think that's a big thing for people is as coaches, we hear a lot of people's, purse dumping. Like I, I spend probably 12 hours per week on zoom calls and probably 10 of those hours have nothing to do with running. Right. Because people just get into life. And of those 10, probably three of them are spent listening to people say why it's something else's issue. Someone else's fault, some outside circumstance. I think we all just need a little bit more of ownership. I did this. Even if someone else started it, I need to finish it and turn the ship around. And that was my big takeaway of 2021 is like, we got ourselves here. Let's get ourselves out of this. Vulnerability and ownership. If we could talk two words, I think that would represent the year now that we're talking it through you got any to add to that because that's what i'm hearing and that's how i feel consistency kirk sometime during week six and week seven things just changed physically and mentally for me 
it was a grind every day. I felt like crap at supposedly easy efforts. It sucked. It sucked. It sucked. It sucked. It sucked. Suddenly I noticed it didn't suck anymore. And it was just over the hump. But it wasn't because of a special training plan. It wasn't because of special mindset. It was just, I'm walking out the door every day Mm -hmm. until I don't have to fight myself to walk out the door every day. And it just, one day I realized I wasn't fighting anymore. It was consistency. So it started with vulnerability Mm -hmm. and then it went to ownership and it kind of cemented itself with consistency. Well, it's one of my favorite quotes. I just pulled it up on my phone. Sean McCabe quote. He's a, he just kind of, he's good for throwing quotes out there, but it's just like, there is the, the exact quote. There will be days where you're not motivated, but the motivation comes after you show up. Don't start with the motivation. Start with the doing. Yeah. Damn it. If there isn't anything that's more true when it comes to training, it's that I send this, I send this, little screenshot out to athletes like every other (laughs) somebody who needs to hear it you've probably gotten it from me but it's so true so that just like it reminds me of that when you talk talk about that yeah you can't wait till you're not tired to start waking up for workouts you can't wait till you're fit to start to start training like you those things are created inertia you know it doesn't just appear you've got a you've got a the ball doesn't start rolling on its own no you gotta kick it you gotta push it (laughs) So that's, I, I feel like that gets us to where we are now, uh, at least me yep. personally, I haven't done a single impressive workout yet. Maybe a couple long hill days where I got like five or 6,000 feet of vert and 20 miles, but I haven't done a sexy workout yet. I just showed up like Kirk says, I showed up for myself every day for 11 weeks and now it's 13 or 14 weeks. And in week nine, yep. I jumped into a a stadium race and I got my first Spartan podium of the last year and a half. Yeah, and I didn't do anything sexy before. I just showed up every day and I built up my aerobic capacity and I worked on hill work and I did some lifting, but I just worked out every day. Yep. And you went down to Florida and you won a nasty, grinded out half marathon in the swamp. Yep. You just showed up for yourself every single day and you got it done. Was your training designed for that race? No. Was my training designed for my race? No. And it didn't matter. We just showed up every day and were consistent, 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 consistent. It's true. So we got vulnerability. Then we have, what was the next word? Jeez. Ownership. Ownership. And then consistency. Those three words could probably ring true for most years if you want to if you want to better yourself, but this year more than ever, for sure, for us. And what I would like to believe is that 2022, we get to the end of the year and we do our year in recap episode and we're not rehashing the same mistakes. We're celebrating how consistency was the biggest theme and we had to do a whole lot less vulnerability because we took ownership all year. Yeah, I, I like that. There's only so many times... I can come on here and be like, well, I had a training slump before. It's not a slump anymore. It's just a personality trait. Right. Well, you still have those personality traits, but the idea is being conscious of them and working on them. Those probably won't go anywhere. I also have the personality trait of a grinder of, of a really tough competitor, but they don't coexist. It's one or the other. I'm either a slacker or I'm a killer. 
and I really don't have middle ground. And it's which one do I choose to embrace and be consistent with? Which one's it going to be, Bracken? Kirk, I've gone through multiple phases on this show alone. I've gone through the, I'm not saying a word until I'm back and I'll let the actions prove it. And I've done the, I'm going to speak it into existence and have people hold me accountable. And I would say I'm neither of those right now. I think I'm confident in the fact that I can do this. And I am uncomfortable with the fact of being, or with the idea of being comfortable. Okay. So I don't want to predict any sort of results. But I will state that this is my year of re-entering the fray of racing. Whether things are going perfectly or not? Things don't have to be perfect because my only goal is consistency. Yeah. And when that's my goal, I found that things go well. When I have to be perfect, you inherently come up short of that. Because your body can't be perfect forever. So just consistency. Keep my build going. Keep revamping and improving and addressing the areas that are weak. And I'll jump in a national series race or two. I'll jump in a road race or two. I'll jump in an ultra or two. I'll jump in a 5K or two. I'm going to do a stadium or two, a high rocks, a DECA. The goals that I have will be refined throughout the year. But the main goal both in personal life and athletics, is just consistency. Day in, day out, take care of it. So that at any given time, at the drop of a hat, I'm ready to jump into anything I want. And with four to six weeks of of notice, I can be sharp and ready for absolutely anything. And so that's the goal. Get back to the point where I felt like I've been in the past where, hey, give me a couple days or a couple weeks notice and I'll, I'll jump in any race you could ever come up with. I like that. And you know, when you hear somebody, let's say they have their breakthrough race or they win something big and they get interviewed after the race and they're like, what, you know, how did this finally come to fruition? Or how did you end up, you know, why are you the winner today? And and they just say, you know, I've been working hard for a long time and I've been consistent and they never, they never talk about anything flashy. They say, I tried this new training style and now my fitness has popped. I did this crazy workout I found on Instagram and been doing that and suddenly I'm the winner. No, not at all. Every time the answer is consistency over time, there's nothing flashy about what they've done. They've just had a good run of good training and they've stacked those one upon the other upon the other over time. Suddenly they go from off the radar to being a champion. And that's kind of how it works, right? Like they were, they're always ready in a sense because they've never not been ready. And so it just reminds me of like successful people interviews at the end of race. That's a really good point. I've never heard a single workout referenced during an acceptance speech. Not once. Never. Huh. I like that. Championships are built in the dark, right? Yep. And I stayed out of the dark for a long time. So what about you? What's 2022 for you? Uh, 2022 is, um, you know, as we haven't talked about, I do got this knee issue and which has been really, really bugging me if I am not on anything other than smooth roads or a treadmill to the point where if I go do a big mountain workout, let's call or Minnesota mountain workout, I'm set back for a few days afterwards, my knee and some of the races might require the type of training in which my knee can't handle coming up. So there's a little bit unknown there, whether I want to address it now or see if I can get through it. 
But with that said, I can still train on flat terrain or controlled terrain. So that's a good thing. Um, if I choose not to address this knee issue, which right now I don't have plans to, um, my plan is to hit the, the U.S. Elite Series, I believe it is called now, the National North Series. American Elite Series? North American Elite Series, which I believe today is the 4th, so it'll be dropping on Thursday the 6th, supposedly, according to Spartan. So um, I want to go give myself a good run with healthier lifestyle habits and see what happens here um, on the U.S. National or U.S. Elite Series front, North American Elite Series. Um, and then I'm realizing, like, yes, I've become much better at the grind and the non-rhythm running over the years. But I'm getting the itch to understand my true metrics on the roads. And so I think I'd like to combine the two with potentially a marathon or at least some some road uh, racing. But really for me, like I don't even think big picture. I don't think, oh, I'm going to show up in San Luis Obispo and crush. I'm still focused on like doing the right thing today. And so like I'm still a one day at a time mode. And that just echoes what you said about being consistent if you do the good things on a day-to-day basis, then you're going to set yourself up for success in the future. So I'm trying not to look too far ahead, to be honest. But right now, that is my intention, barring this knee doesn't blow out on me or I decide to address it, in which I got to imagine being serious time off for surgery. So um, that's where I am at. But I'm going to still say one day at a time is my 2020 plan, Bracken, which sounds silly, um, but that's Uh, that's where I am at, but I will state my intentions. I have no problems with that. My intention is to go and podium at a North American elite series. My intention is to, um, show up and actually be taken seriously as a threat in any race, whether it is local or it is a national level race. Uh, my intention is to see what this 38 soon to be 39 year old body can do. Well, it is still has the capability to do so. I don't want to be 45 or 50 years old and look back and say, Kirk, you didn't do everything you could do to reach your peak. And so um, I don't want to look back and wonder. And so that is like, that's why I'm going to take this next year seriously. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? It does. Kirk, purely from yeah. an ego and a selfish, what do I take away from racing feeling? The greatest feeling... The most satisfying feeling to me was never crossing the finish line. Like when I was at the height of my abilities or my success in the sport, it was never about crossing the finish line. It was never about standing on the podium. It was never about walking around afterwards and taking pictures and having people say, oh, you're great. Those things were rewards for the work I put in. I always felt justified and like, yeah, I'm not embarrassed about having to stand up here and have people ask for pictures or whatever, because that's the reward for putting in the daily work. The thing that felt best to me was showing up to a start line and knowing that everyone else knew one position was gone. Yeah. The feel that showing up to a race and having people go, Oh shoot. Well, there's two spots left. That to me was the, the egotistical, the most satisfying part of being successful was people around you knowing you were about to be successful before the race even started. Yeah. And I don't know if that sounds douchey or not, but that was always what like that, that, that is what got me showing up to a race and knowing in their face, you could see it that, all right, I have a spot. You know how I knew I was, I was in that, that exact place was, is this when I know that I show up to a race 
And once in a while, we do have off days. We're like, it's just not there today, right? Like that still happens as much as we like to know we're dialed in. Occasionally that can happen in a workout or a race, right? And I towed a start line and this is how I felt in Florida. And it was, even if I have my, a bad day today, I know I could still win this race. That's how confident I am in my fitness. Yeah. It's like that same feeling, right? Yeah. And that's what I seek again, that... And it's weird to be seeking acknowledgement or acceptance from others as a 34-year-old guy. But I think that's what I want. I I want to show back up at start lines and be and have people like, oh, all right, he's here. Rather than, wow, he's here, huh? You know, that, whatever that little difference right. is, I want there to be a little bit of, oh, shoot, when I show up for races again. Because I haven't felt that in a long time. And justifiably so. People didn't have a reason to be worried if I showed up. But I'd like people to be worried again. I don't care if I win races. I want to compete for races. And I want people to understand that I'm there to compete for races rather than, uh, this is this this old cycle again. So maybe I'm not putting it into mm -hmm. words well, but I, that's what I want. I just want to have a place in the sport that's one of competition. Yep. That's a, yeah, but that's that's going to fuel a lot of things in your training, how you approach it. Like that feeling, although maybe seeming silly, is very real, very raw, very infused in, in motivation to not hit snooze, get yeah. up, do your work, all of that. That's that an ego drives a lot of what we do. Like I don't care how humble you are, there's an ego in there that needs to be satisfied. Um and if that's the case, that's okay. Mine's pretty big. I got to do everything I can to, you know, smolder it from time to time. And heck, some people run purely on ego and that's what's made them very successful. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? For example, there's a gentleman I raced out at City Field who beat me by a minute pretty handily. And we hadn't raced recently. And so his entire knowledge of me as a racer is someone that's pretty easy to beat and going into next season showing up at a start line he will have zero concern that i'm there and that like fundamentally does not sit with me that fires mm -hmm. me up more than any prize money could ever and so that's and i think that's a sign that this consistency is bringing me back to the mental place of being where i need to be to race where it's those little internal flames that get burning that don't really matter. And so they matter a ton. Well, and you know, a lot of athletes make these, uh, just this little descriptor you made about the stadium race and getting beat by somebody who doesn't consider you a threat. And maybe they do, who knows, but like choosing those, what is it? Keeping every receipt. So every speak, receipt and creating, you keep every receipt you create, even if it's a false narrative, you create this narrative in your mind as fuel. Oh, yeah. I think Ryan Kent, a Spartan athlete, talks about that a good bit. You know, constantly having a chip on your shoulder, people not believing in you or taking you seriously. Well, he thinks of that every quality workout, and guess what happens? It keeps him accountable, keeps the flame burning. And so sounds like maybe a little bit of that, I think so. which is a good thing. Uh, Matt Davis and I grew closer this year. Okay. That's, that's something I can say at the end of 2021 that I didn't think I was going to say is that we, like, we have a working relationship and a friendship now. And I don't know, like we had always gotten along well, but we'd had our little tiffs or whatever. Uh, Jacksonville, I kind of blew up on him with you next to me, I think, via phone. 
text or something. He said something that I didn't enjoy after I just DNF. I think I, I heard about it after the fact, yeah. Anyways, I was very upset with him. Anyway, we grew closer this year, which I, I appreciate. I like having a yeah. a deeper relationship with him. But I also have an audio clip on my phone of a, of a show they did where Jack Bauer said, and what about Bracken Crocker? He said, no, nah, I'm selling Bracken. I just think that time has passed. And I have that clip on my phone and I go to that when I need it. Like, like you said, every receipt, every receipt is being kept because man, if you're not racing <laughs> out of passion, why are you racing? Yep. So I'm feeling some passion again. I like it. What about, why don't we just uh, real quickly talk about sort of the year in review at the podcast mm-hmm. and what we're thinking moving forward here as we're almost getting to an hour. Wow. I went quick Good. for me. It went quick. I don't know about you. Um, what do you want to, what do you want to talk about? Where do you want to start with the podcast? I do know that, you know, on the metric standpoint from the podcast, and this all comes down to you guys listening, which we are like so grateful. I feel like Bracken and I continually feel very lucky and very blessed to have a, a listenership. Sometimes I wonder why, mm-hmm. right? Like people are still listening to us, but it was a big deal initially where we, um, and I don't know how the metrics are, are calculated, but where we ended up on the top 50 list on like Apple podcasts, like suddenly our podcast started popping up in there in the first year. And then it was the top 30. And and then I think, I believe about the start of last year, we were, we were hovering around in somewhere in the twenties. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then slowly throughout the year, it was like at one point, what middle of the year Brack and we took a look and we were like, Holy crap, we're in the top 10 as far as like listenership or whatever Apple podcasts, how they recommend that. And um, that has been the growth point for us this year, which has felt really dang good. Um, I don't know if you've paid attention to this, but I uh, subscribe to like a service who sends us our metrics every week. And we've had a couple of episodes peak at the number one position in our realm, meaning it had the most listenership that week. Um, Usually our guest interviews, um, me talking about my alcohol problem, ironically. I think mostly friends and family must have listened to that one. But we did peak at number one on a few of episodes. I think our first number one peak episode was the Amelia Boone episode, actually, which I believe might have been 2020, 2020 at the end. But nonetheless, go back, listen to that one if you want. We've had a few since. So like on that front, very, very good. Um, and that's not because of us. That has nothing to do with us. That has everything to do with you guys choosing to still listen. So Thank you very much for that. And and I don't think we plan to, you know, sure, we took a little bit of a breather here these last two weeks, but we still plan to continue the consistency in, into 2022. Yeah, it's been it's been incredible to watch, A, the growth, but B, the effect of it. Every time I go out to a race, having people come up and talk about how, hey, I just love having you as a companion on my long runs, or hey... This has really finally changed my perception on how to train for running. And I finally took the leap of faith and I slowed down my easy days and I'm PRing across the board or Kirk's episode changed the way I thought about my pandemic life. And I realized I wasn't being healthful with my habits or anything, anything that comes up in person. The fact that someone would come out of their way to say thank you or to give a compliment or a, even a suggestion or a negative suggestion. The fact that people are invested in yep. care continually blows my mind. And it's mm-hmm. like, we are lucky. We are blessed. We get to talk about the things that we are clearly passionate about or things you and I would talk about either way. Now we get to do it with, with an audience of 
of thousands who will listen to us and then implement it in their own lives. And that's really cool to do. And then a year ago, almost to the day, I think a week from now, we asked you to uh, take another leap of faith and take a look at our online training plan. Yeah. We said we gave away a year. We're still not going to charge for anything, but if you want to, here's a $19 a month running slash OCR training plan. And people responded to that as well. And every single month, Kirk, has been our biggest month for that. For 12 straight months, we've had... Can you, are you comfortable sharing how many people we have on the plan one way or another right now? How many people are in the community? And by the way, I'm getting a lot more, we're getting a lot more Facebook requests to be in a running public training mm-hmm. group. But if you are one that is not, um, definitely request. And, and and I had to remove someone last week and I felt bad about it. I messaged her and let her know. It's only for people who are on the plan. Right. So like fan of the show, great person. That's fantastic. But this is a, a little bonus nugget for people who actually are on the training plan to discuss their training and ask let, questions. Let, let me guess. Did I add them on accident and you had to delete them? I don't them? know who did. Probably. We're not pointing fingers here, Kirk. <laughs> it is just, it's it's cool to see how every single month, more and more people have decided to give it a, to a shot. And in the first month, I think we had 26 people on. And between the strength... And the, and because we have the standalone strength plan, the standalone OCR slash running plan between those we're in the upper 200s, close to 300 total people between the two. And that's a lot of people buying in and trying it out and trying to get consistent and dedicated in their own training. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. And on the, um, just, you know, we had a, uh, we had uh what is it? Our birthdays are how many days apart? Two. two? two days apart. And we, uh, we did beg and plead and kind of look pathetic on the ratings and review front, but I believe the year we started somewhere in the two hundreds and now we're in the upper four hundreds as far as ratings and reviews, at least on Apple podcasts. And they've gone up on all the other, all the other, uh, outlets as well. So thank you for that. Um, like it just, a lot of times, like I, you know, it's once you get into the consistency of things and you just, okay, we record our Tuesday and we record our Friday you forget to take a step back and look at like how things have really progressed. And, and again, all this would be for not, if we didn't have listeners, I don't know if we'd be recording our conversations anymore. Not that we still wouldn't be having our conversations. Mm -hmm. They may just not be recorded. So it all comes back to you guys, which I just feel like super lucky and grateful. So thank you. But yes, between the listenership, the podcast, uh, charts increasing, and then just the ratings and reviews, even though we beg pathetically for some of them, um, you know, you look back and you say, what a year, man, like, how do we ask for more from our listeners or complain at all about anything? And we were a little inconsistent with my health stuff. And then here at the end of the year, working on our own life things, but like, it's nice, man. So thank you to whoever's listening. Appreciate you sticking with us. And next week, I think we're going to hit our 200th episode. Is that what, what, is that what it is next week? I believe It'll either be next week or the week after. I think this will be the 98th or 99th Training Tuesday, followed up by the 98th, I think 98, 98, I want to say. Okay. Yeah, we'll hit we'll hit 200 next week or, or early the week after. That's a lot of episodes for people to, to, to sit through. Sure is. Yes, it is. Yeah. And um, should we talk about plans maybe for this next year, what we're thinking, where our heads are at? I don't, you cool with that? Yeah. 
Yes. You, you, are, you, are you feeling reticent? Not reticent. Just we don't have a <laughs> we don't have a direction. We have an idea, which is we want to grow. Yeah, we want to commit more time and energy into this podcast. Yeah, um, and maybe offerings. We will say to those listening. Yeah, we we we're hesitant to become stale. Is hesitant the right? Maybe we're apprehensive about becoming stale. And in redoing this fundamentals of running, it became apparent that we've talked about a lot of these things before, and we've talked about them often, and we'd like to add some new life into what we do. So we're going to morph and grow with it, but absolutely never change what, what or how we do, just how it looks. Yep. Yep. I agree. I think one of the things, you know, and I think the reason we, I, I like to refer to this moment with Matt B. Davis about talking smack about us not lasting. And the challenge is, is coming up with new material that still is relevant and can teach you something after we've done a hundred training Tuesdays. Right. And so the challenge is coming up with fresh and new material uh, to on Tuesdays to discuss with you guys um, that can still keep the knowledge needle moving forward. Right. Our Friday episodes are um, always new because they involve a different guest. And so stagnancy is a big thing talked about in the podcast world like how to continue. You see a lot of podcasts start at one or two episodes a week and then they go down to one a week and then they go down to one every other week because they're like, where do we come up with the content? And, and what I'm getting at here is that, you know, our content is a lot of times drived and fueled by you guys. Um, so keep the suggestions coming. My long uh, way of getting to that because we want to keep things fresh for you. I would like, I know Bracken, you're a little bit on the fence about it, but I, you know, we are a running podcast and yes, we are OCR dominant, but I still feel like we're in the know in the running world more than the common endurance athlete. And so what I would like to do is maybe, you know, you have obstacle racing media who covers news in this arena. Well, we don't necessarily need to cover news, but I think um, ongoings in the running world every week, if we are aware of them, maybe talking about them and giving our hot takes, so to speak, on some things that you may not know about. I just want to gauge the interest of the audience there, seeing like, hey, would you be interested in, you know, opening up our training Tuesdays with maybe some current events, so to speak, and getting our take? Would you think that's an an enjoyable way to start our training Tuesdays so we can discuss things that are currently going on and not only OCR, but the world of running? Um, That was the one thing I wanted to just ask of the audience. And I know Bracken, I know you could probably go either way on it. I'm not sure. But if anything, I think you're more knowledgeable about the running sense than anybody, just the world of running outside of OCR. So a lot of times I like to hear you discuss it as well. So I was curious from a listenership um, what your thoughts were on that. No, I I like it. And it's not that I could go either way. It's that we have something that works and it's good. And I'm so hesitant to be the person that, uh, that drives the train off the tracks. Sure. But at the same time, if you don't evolve, you die. True. So like there has to be evolution to this podcast and I will talk running all day long, whether people ask for it or not. So obviously, yes, I'd love to talk about more of the running world at large. So yeah, let us know what you want. We want to give it to you. This is the running public. And so it should reflect the desires of the public opinion and desires of the running community. So let us know. Right on. What else uh, you got top of mind for this upcoming year other than continuing our consistency with uh, the Tuesday Fridays? I have realized, Kirk, this is not something we've discussed. Okay. But I've realized that I take great joy in racing races with others. I had a blast with Ross. That's part of what 
allowed me to come back from knee surgery was the joy of training and competing with him. I had a blast doing high rocks doubles with Michelle. I'm going to have a blast doing it with Callie. Our sim we did was fantastic. Um, going back over the last decade, people I've coached, I've run races with them. And I've realized, Kirk, that that might drive more joy for me than anything else. Oh. And so I don't know exactly what this means, but I am open. How Becca Jones talked about they're a race crew for hire. Yeah. I kind of feel like I would like to be a race partner for people if needed. Sounds like an endurance escort service. Essentially, yes. You want to begin an escort service? A semi-full service race escort. <laughs> uh, to, to the point where like, if we're going to be at a race and you're running an afternoon wave and you want someone to come and run the race with you and give you tips, let's say it's OCR, you want tips on course, or you just want someone to watch you and give you feedback afterwards. Like, hey, here's what I think you should work on. I'm happy to do that. If you want someone to pace you, if you're not, if you're not faster than me and you want someone to pace you for a time trial or for a road race or a trail race, I'm up for that kind of thing. And I don't know what that looks like. Like if I'm in town, let's make it happen, happen. Or if you're like, this is important enough to me, Bracken, can I, can I get you out to this race and you run it with me? These are the kind of things that are starting to kind of tug on my heart a little bit where, yeah, I've got the ego side that wants to race, but I have enjoyed the community feel of racing more and more. And every time I've run with someone that I coach or that I can provide some assistance to, it's been so rewarding. So I think in this year, I'd like to focus on getting to more races for someone else rather than myself. Mm -hmm. I like that. And that could be ultra. That could be one mile. I don't care. I like to, I like to see people go through it. And I like to be a part of that. Sounds like you and I might need to team up for something then, Bracken. Really lay the hurting down on some folks. Well, like I said, if you're faster than me, you need not apply. <laughs> I don't need a pacer. No, I'd like you and I maybe to go after the superior. There's a uh, Tim Lambiris twinning the race has his eye on mm -hmm. FKT in the UP. That had, it's, a, it's a 26 mile FKT with a ton of vert. Uh, some things like that I think you and I should go after. It'd be a blast. But anyway, if you're ever interested, if you need or have the want to have a, a partner with you for a race. I'm open to that. Feel free to reach out and like we'll, we'll explore those waters. That's definitely an escort service, <laughs> no matter how you want to look at it. And then on the other thing, you know, as we're looking to the future, we're rattling around and this has been brought to our attention, but we've never, we've never taken it seriously yet, but uh, talking about a running public training camp, mm. throwing one or two per year out there where we get together for, up to five days and we train, we teach, we get together, we grind, we have fun, we get to know each other. We're putting together a training camp in which uh, in which uh, we get after it in a real way. So um, something again, like if you feel like, you know, sliding into our DMs, looking for feedback on news and then, um, you know, the training camp idea. If we get enough, we get enough interest, we're going to probably pull the plug on or pull the trigger on. On some of these things. So yeah. those are ideas rattling around in our skulls and then expanding maybe the training plan um, as we go. But um, that's everything I can think of top of mind now. What about you, Brack? Anything else? It's just that idea of growth. We want to provide more of a service to the running community. Yeah. And we want your ideas on that. I went into a high school and I spoke a few weeks ago and it was great. I enjoyed it.
And I realized like, we still want to service that high school crowd because every running issue <laughs> that anyone's talked about on here started young. Like the more we can get into the youth market and market's a terrible word because it puts a, it as a commodity, but the youth crowd and, and plant the seeds of healthy, wholesome training early. You know, if you have needs for that or needs for a training partner or needs for a new training plan or needs for yeah. your community could be, you have a lot of people nearby that would want to get together for a running camp or whatever it is. Let's start exploring those options for how we can better provide value to the running public. Yeah. Here's the point. We're, we're more in than less in next year is, yeah. is what we're getting at basically. Yeah. So we're, we're looking at ways to just, uh, to broaden our horizons and be more involved. I think that's what it comes down to. So, um, man, what else Bracken? What else? There's nothing else to do. Time to get back to the grind. Well, it is time to get back to the grind. So we'll be chirping in your ears here consistently coming up. And then, um, I'll tell you what, dang it. I'm going to keep hearing about these dang running public singlets from, uh, from listeners and they're seeing you looking sexy in your photos and people want them. So we got to work on that. That'd that'd be another thing. Well, Kirk, I have, uh, I just shared with the people I coach, uh, 10 designs last night and had them give feedback on it. I ordered two more samples. I'm pretty much ready here to, to send some things over, pick out some, some materials and get printing. So I think it's just, let's just do this thing. Maybe in time for racing season. Yeah. Well, I think we just got to end this thing with another sincere thank you. Uh, it's been it's been good, man. It's been it's been. Let's say we've had our ups and downs, but but here we are, and nothing has deterred us from continuing. And that's because we know you guys are reliant on us popping up in your uh, podcast feed, and that's accountability right there, which is one of our words for the year. So. Thank you. Kirk, prior to to dating Lisa, I hadn't had a relationship make it past a month. That doesn't surprise me. Now she and I are are starting our 11th year, which makes this my second longest relationship of my life. That also would have meant two months into the podcasting. It would have made it the second longest. Leaderboard was a year and a half, almost two years. Oh, sure, sure, sure. This is this is the second longest meaningful relationship outside of family in my life. So look at us. We have something special, Brack. And listen, I'm a, I'm a self-proclaimed commitment phobe. So I would say this is even bigger for me than you. Whew. So it goes both ways. All right. Well, I'll call you shortly. We'll see you guys. <laughs> Bye.